Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with Patrick Fitzgerald. He is with Cincy Sell for Cash, LLC. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show. We'd love to just kick it off with a story. So why don't you just start it off with your craziest real estate transaction that you've experienced yeah thank you guys for having me on uh it's a cool experience and always love sharing you know kind of what's going on uh to hopefully help somebody else so you know to the craziest real estate experience out of all the transaction i've i've done um you know probably the craziest one was actually the one that i brought my first private lender on to to close and um, you know, take down the property. The and for those that don't know what a private lender is, basically somebody that's just paying for the property, but you own it. And you know, we had bought this thing. It was just from a cold call, right? My VAs were calling this lead. It was probably a high equity list, if I remember correctly. Bought this thing for seventy grand, and the ARV in the area was somewhere around one thirty five, one forty, and it was actually a surprisingly a really good rental hmm. great shape um very nice flooring they're paying at 950 a month and the ultimate goal with the property was because we were buying it so under market and there was essentially no repairs that were needed our goal was just to ultimately take it over uh get the tenants out and then immediately relist it not do a single thing to it, just relist it for a, a small discount under ARV and, and move it, move on to the next one, get the private lender, their money back. Everybody's happy. And you know, the train keeps rolling. And, uh, it was actually, it was a Thursday. We signed all the documents at the title company on a Thursday, like four 30 and Friday comes along all good. Saturday morning rolls around. I'm at this workout competition. And I'm getting this call from the previous owner. And I'm like, what is he calling me for? Mm-hmm. He's got his money. He's he's walked away. He's good. So I'm thinking, you know, your mind goes to worst case scenario or what's wh- why, you know, is he trying to undo the sale? Like, what what is it? What's the deal? I answer the call and he's like, he starts it off with literally, hey, I am so sorry. I told you these tenants were good. Uh, they are not, uh, they, 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 he's like, I told you they were good and they went and did this. And I was like, okay, well, what happened? He's like, well, they just called me and they just told me the house caught on fire. And I was like on fire. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know the full story. He's like, I'm headed over to now. And he's like, just full disclosure. I hadn't even told him yet that I was selling the property. Um, so they didn't even know that the property was sold a day and a half ago. And so, of course, you know, naturally, I'm like 30 minutes away. So I immediately hop in the car, head on over. I'm thinking like, you know, I just got this private lender to trust me, lend money. And it's like now the house is on fire. You know, what's going to happen to her money? That's what I was mainly worried about. Um, once I found out that everybody was OK in the property, nobody was injured, thankfully. So 
I'm driving over there and I, I show up to this scene of just, you know, multiple fire trucks, people just all out in the street. And it was still cold. Like this was, this was like February, I think February of this year. So it was still fairly cold outside and I was in not February dressed February in Ohio is like 10, 15 degrees, right? So like yeah, that. it can get brutal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was not dressed to be outside for you're, you're long periods like, of little time. Workout speedo. Um, uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, I got, I got like a, a, a very slim, you know, pullover <laughs> on and some very slim like sweatpants because I just wasn't planning on being outside all day. And, uh, you know, I, I don't even know who to talk to when I get there. There's a bunch of firemen there and um, they had it under control for the most part um, at that point. And, I finally figure out I got to talk to the fire investigator um, and he comes to me with the story that essentially what happened was the tenant's six-year-old son was playing with a lighter and he must have been near some curtains because they said curtains caught on fire and I would assume most curtains are can be flammable pretty quick. So, you know, he, he caught curtains on fire and the end result was the whole second floor basically um, was caught fire by the time the, uh, the fireman got there. So, you know, that was an interesting conversation in itself because the, the seller or not the seller, the tenant didn't even know who I was Hmm. and I'm having to have a conversation with Hmm. her. Like, you know, like I'm the new owner, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the previous owner, you know, he was there, but he was only there for a very, very short period of time. And then he left, you know, Um, so she was kind of in shock and didn't know what was going on. Um, Just a lot going on, clearly. So all the dust, all the dust settles and, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out ultimately what's going to happen. So I call the private lender. I, I patch them into what's going on and, you know, just trying to give them an idea of what could be happening over the next couple of months with insurance. And I'm sure if anybody, you know, whether it's you guys or anybody in the audience has ever dealt with insurance, you know, they're trying to find any and every way to not pay every loophole, every, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So like, I know there's a battle and I call my investor buddy and it was really cool to hear him talk because he kind of calmed me down to a certain degree. He's like, he just kind of laughed and he's like, dude, you're going to learn so much from this experience. It's going to be really good. And, and I was like, that's great and all, but mm-hmm. I really hope it doesn't like, it's not at the expense of my pocketbook, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause it's a lot of money and it's mm-hmm. like, I got to pay this private lender back. Otherwise this relationship's gone and it's just going it, to, it might look really bad in terms of other potential relationships with lenders. Like I got to make sure they get taken care of. Yeah. Right. But at least it makes good well, stories for podcasts. I know, I know. <laughs> Big learning curve. Big learning curve. Right. So we get we uh, we get it all buttoned up, and after a couple of months dealing with the insurance, they actually decided it was a total total loss, and I actually ended up making nine grand off of just you know for I bought it low enough, and you know with the insurance coverage on it, made nine grand. But then it was another problem of the city started finding me. Because they got this, they got this property that is, you know, fire damage and you got it one, you got to get it secured. And then two, you got to start applying for all these licenses. Um, 
that it's vacant. It's, you know, certain, you have a certain amount of time to get, get the work started and all this stuff. And, uh, come to find out the insurance policy, they wait, they will not front the cost for demolition of mm. the house. Um, you got to carry that. And after a few quotes, you know, it was looking at like 17 to 20 K to, to demolish the house. And, you know, then you got to figure another few weeks of processing on the insurance company. So you're floating all this money and it's like, I don't want to do that. Um, and you know, my goal was just like, ultimately like demolish the house, sell the land and move on. Um, private lenders pay it back. So that was, you know, that was the biggest worry and, uh, you know, just move on and find the next deal. So, so just to clarify at this point, the 72, yeah. I think you said the $9,000 spread that was already paid to you. So you had already paid private lender back. You have 9,000 in your pocket. You find out you had a $17,000 bill. So I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm open to all options and, you know, just being in the business, I'm sure you guys can attest to, you know, being in the business, just things can tend to happen. You just take consistent action and they tend to happen. Right. Well, I had gotten this call from a local investor saying, you know, from a postcard that I had sent out from a while back, he just decided to call and he's a fairly prominent investor in the local area. And, uh, we were just having a conversation and the conversation kind of led to, um, this particular buyer property. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably just gonna, you know, hopefully demolish it, sell it on terms and get my money from the insurance for the, the demolition and then just sell it on terms for as much as I can. And he, he sits there and said, he thinks about it and he's like, why don't you just list it? Just list it for cash as is mm, buddy, and see mm -hmm. what can happen. So I was like, all right, well, it's not a bad idea. I got nothing to lose. And uh, I did that. And shortly within like two days, I was in a bidding war with three, three buyers and we were able to sell it for 22,000 as is. Um, so, you know, it was Not like, bad. <laughs> it was a roller coaster. I went from thinking I got this sweet property to, I'm going to be able to get the tenants out and be able to make 25 to $30,000 after I resell it, move on to catching on fire and thinking that I'm going to be 70 K in debt to this private lender to getting insurance checks and uh, figuring out I can actually sell that fire damaged property for 20 K. So I ended up making $31,000 on the deal. Um, and it was, it was bright and sunny, doomy and gloomy back to bright and sunny. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> It's so cool too. It sounds like you were early in your journey based on some of the things that you said about, you know, new relationship with private lender, so on and so forth. Probably also why you were as nervous as you were. Uh, but it's so cool that the lender partner you had picked had faith in you, faith in the process, had such a great mindset and attitude towards it. Like, oh, buddy, <laughs> this is a great way to get your career started um, yeah. type of thing. How, did that help you at all that that he had that that take on it? Yeah. So the when you say the take, are you talking about the guy I called? And he's like, you're going to learn a lot on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that was, <laughs> so he actually wasn't the lender on the deal. Oh, he, was he just wasn't. Another yeah, I was oh. just calling for advice. Yep. The lender, uh -huh. I had to I had to do some talking with the lender and mm. you know, ultimately you know, they've been around the block a while, like they're you know, they're they're in their fifties or something like that. So like they understand the concept of insurance and, and all that stuff. So 
you know, we, we, we didn't like, they didn't jump the gun and like get all frustrated. Obviously it's a, it's a worry, but they, they're kind of like, all right, let's figure out what's going to happen with the insurance and you know, how that's going to shake out. Um, so of course they were worried, but they were, they weren't in panic mode, um, immediately, which was, which was good. Um, cause I was kind of in panic mode. Um, but, uh, you know, the insurance ultimately just the concept of insurance kind of helped soothe things over. And, um, you know, I was really worried about, you know, their money and just having that relationship burned. Um, yeah. so, yeah. You know, that was my biggest concern. I mean, they were obviously would have gotten more concerned if insurance um, wouldn't have worked out, of course. Yeah. Or if you yeah. didn't have yeah. it, because I mean, it's like it's one like day like after. One day mm -hmm. after. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally, it was literally not even 48 hours. And that was another thing. Mm -hmm. I like, I called insurance immediately. Yeah. And of course, it was on a Saturday. So um, I don't even think that they actually, uh, they, well, they did answer um, and they, they confirmed that we had the policy on. Um, but like I said, your mind goes to all these these what ifs, and it's like, what if they missed putting the insurance on, or what if the person that was supposed to put the the coverage on, it's like, oh, I'll get to that Monday, um, you know, something crazy, and yeah, so wow, crazy man, um, I resonate with that story so much because my mother in law went to a conference where you learn about how to invest in real estate. And as a result, we ended up buying a property pre-tax default auction and mm. got the property, paid the taxes, got the stuff cleaned out. Then some some tweakers snuck in, did some drugs, ended up burning <laughs> a third of it down. And so like, I, I feel like I can live your story as you're telling it because it's, I you know, we, we yeah, such a crazy time. And the, the range of emotions are, are insane because like you, yeah. I was just getting started when I was helping her navigate that. So kudos to you, man, for sticking in it and getting it done and not just like running for the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that thought crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. You're like, this is supposed to be easy. The guru said it was easy. Yeah. So digging deeper into that, while you were overcoming all of this adversity, Mike, did you have any mindset strategies that you were utilizing in order to do so? Or, or did you just kind of plow through it? You know, my relationship with money is probably different than a lot of other people's that especially aren't in entrepreneurship. But like my concept was, you know, at the end of the day, if I lose 70 grand, right, the worst case scenario, um, and I, I lose potentially this relationship, relationships can always be either fixed or new ones can be found. And then lost money can always be found money. So yes, presently it would have sucked to have to have that 70k debt that was supposed to be an asset and then quickly turns into a liability. Um, but uh, I just knew that at the end of the day, I have the knowledge to go and make that. So, you know, worst case scenario, I just have to go make that. And that's how I look at a lot of things when I look at investments or wherever money's going. And uh, I just know that like, at the end of the day, you can always be found again. Yes, you got to put in work for it. But it can always be found. So um, that was kind of the approach that I was ultimately looking at it as. It's like, worst case scenario, I just got to go make it again. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Love that it. That was about it. Yeah. Take us back to your beginnings. What What were you doing before real estate? What led you into the game? Yeah. Um, 
I've always been in, in a sales role. Hmm. Um, I've always, always been willing to talk to people and, and just, you know, the sales sales sides of businesses and, uh, started off really the first major sales business I had was just part-time in college selling Cutco cutlery, um, made, made really good money as like a, just a part-time college, you know, a part-time worker and full-time college student. And then, uh, you know, I, I grew up with a family that have owned businesses. So I've seen that side to a certain degree growing up, um, you know, went, went the traditional route, obviously went, four-year college, um, got out, actually started as a realtor when I got out of college, quickly found that was not for me. Hmm. And then um, I bounced around a little bit, all sales jobs. And then uh, I had actually, I think it was the Facebook algorithm. I had maybe searched something on Google, like real estate, how to, how to get into real estate zero down. Because everybody knows the normal stuff with real estate, right? That's you can make a lot of money. It's very attractive for the passive income, and then you know over the last decade or whatever it was, you know you start seeing more and more on social media like get into houses zero zero money, right? And that is like a common belief for a lot of people, especially the people that I've talked to, like my age now, still are like I need a lot of money to get into real estate, and it's like you see this catchy hook of like. Hey, get into the deals without any of your own money or zero down, whatever. And it's like, all right. So I clicked on one thing and I think ultimately that's how I came. That's how I stumbled on wholesaling was some of these people putting, putting content out there. And then before I knew it, my newsfeed and everything was littered with wholesaling and real estate strategies and uh, flipping. So um, I knew Real estate was a good path to ultimately achieve and buy all your time back and, you know, not have to work 80 hours, 60 hours a week for your entire life if you didn't want to. Um, and, you know, I've seen it with older people uh, like grandparents and stuff where if you, if you just don't ultimately set yourself up in the beginning, you know, it does make it harder towards the, the end of the trip. And um, it's, it's not the easiest thing, right? Like it's, it's hard being rich and it's hard being broke. It's you just got to pick one and um, you, you go for one. Right. I, I don't want to be in the middle. That's for sure. I, I don't want to be the average. Um, it's either I'm going to make it or I'm not. It's, you know, it's going all in or out. <laughs> so totally. Um, yeah. That's, that's ultimately how I got it. Um, I, I invested in my first course, 2018 um, still had a full-time job, did it very half in half out. Hmm. And, um, you know, marketing was very inconsistent, did a couple deals here and there, you know, every year. And, uh, it wasn't until ultimately the, the layoff that I went, you know, full in. Tell, tell us about the layoff. Tell us, you know, about what was running through your mind or the feelings like, how was that? So the perspective of, of that, of that job for me was, this was my last job. Hmm. This is the last job I was going to work for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, it was a super flexible job. Um, great benefits, car, gas, insurance, all that fun stuff. They paid good money. It was my last job. So I was just going to ride that out until I felt comfortable with the, the real estate business to where it was a point where it's like, all right, I can make this 
and I don't, I don't need this W-2. In my mind, it was a safety net, and I knew it was a safety net even though I knew it. Um, I didn't like it, but I still dealt with it, unfortunately. It's just how I did it. And um, so I kept with the W-2. That layoff was, a, was not a um, – it was not planned. It was not expected. It was very unexpected, very big surprise. Uh, they had laid off about 300 people um, just on a random Tuesday um, and uh, over Zoom, right? And mm-hmm. um, they they gave you a severance, which was great. And I had saved up money anyways, just because that was just naturally something, not a bad thing to do. And uh, so I was like, you know, I got a, I got a cushion. This is, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, I, I was, I was pumped, hmm. honestly, um, <laughs> it, which it's, it's weird to say, but yeah, I was, I was super grateful that it was happening because it gave me that push that I needed. And, um, I wish it would have happened sooner. If I, if I'm being honest with myself, yeah. this would have happened a few years earlier because I'd just be so much further than I was now. Yeah. Um, cause I wouldn't have had that safety net. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Forced you to jump. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. It did. It a hundred percent did. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a great, great ride ever since that's, that's happened. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's so cool too. I mean, I can relate to so much of your story because you had a sales mindset and a sales skill set that you had built. And so you have some of the fundamental aspects that can really make the transition a bit easier. Um, and so how long do you think you would have waited to make the jump had it not happened to you? I think I probably would have waited another two, three years in, in worst case scenario, maybe never. Wow. Um, it, it was, it was, it was a, a problem I knew I had, which is the safety net. Uh, you always have this to fall back on. So like, maybe I don't go as hard as I probably should, or I don't work as much as I should, or I, I prioritize other things over work because it's like, I know I got money coming in every two weeks. I know I got these benefits. I don't have to worry about a car. I don't have to worry about this stuff because it's all covered under the job. So, yeah, I mean, best case scenario, probably a couple of years. Worst case scenario, never. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard Kevin O'Leary say basically a paycheck is something they give you to make you forget your dreams. And uh-huh. 100%. It's, it's real. It, never heard that one. That's awesome. It's so real. I, I remember, like, our paths are so similar. I was, I was a teacher and essentially they were cutting teacher pay eight and a half percent, which is low already while giving the wealthy administrators a 2% raise that to me was like almost a moral level issue. So I left and went into sales and even there it was like, this is cushy. Like it's really cushy. And, uh, just a few things happened that I kind of felt like, gosh, I, I think it's time. And I just remember the sweat on my hands of driving home and mm-hmm. you know, hearing your story just confirms like there would be no way I'd ever go back. Like no way. Um, yeah. And whatever sort of anxiety and difficulty that there was in the beginning was, was worth it times a hundred. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and so take us through some of the lessons that you learned along the way. You've essentially been, you get a severance package, you're in this thing, it's, it's really working out well for you. What, what are some of the things that you're learning? How are you growing? 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, hindsight obviously is hindsight for a reason, but you wish you could go back and be like, Hey, focus on, on, mm-hmm. on these two things. They're going to help so much. Right. And yeah. the, the two things that I feel like I've learned really well over the last, probably the last eight, nine months is leverage and perspective. Um, I think they, a lot of times will go hand in hand and in the sense of, you know, how, how does somebody look at certain things and then what is it that you have to leverage? Because, you know, the goal of the business, and I think most people's businesses are finding a problem and solving that, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And um, you can leverage certain things that you don't even realize you got to help somebody else accomplish something that they need done and in turn accomplishing what you're looking for. Um, so, you know, on the perspective part, you know, a, a prime example is like, you know, for example, the mentorship I'm in, I'll tell some people that outside of the mentorship about it and the mentor, yes, they, they have made money. I'm sure on people joining the program, but they also do a bunch of deals with people and they leverage people in the community and do deals with them and make money. And it's funny. Sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, their perspective is, Oh wow. He's just making money off of you. And my perspective is he's making money with us, mm-hmm. not off of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, it's that one, it's the, it's really one, one or two words in that sentence that really shows like the perspective part of it. Um, and you know, he's just leveraged things really well, but he always provides value or something in return for what that person's looking for. And that can be different for everybody, of course, but you know, leveraging is, is super, super, super key. I talk to a lot of, a lot of new investors weekly and they're like, I just don't know what I can do. I, I don't have any experience. Like, how can I provide value to somebody that that's already in the business doing deals? And it's like, well, you know, we've all got time, right? And if you don't think you've got time, you haven't audited your day to figure mm-hmm. out where you're spending mm-hmm. time. And it all comes down to like the person. It always comes back to the person, right? The, the you. Like, it always comes down to you. You're in the spot that you're in because of you. You're either having success because of you or you're having failures because of you. And like... When you, when you learn that it's all on you um, and you're where you're at because of what you've done up to this point, it really puts things into perspective for me and uh, shed some light on maybe faults or successes that you have and should optimize or do differently. I love how you referenced at the very beginning there that we're essentially in the problem solving business, right? Because actually... Um, I love that you've identified that so early because a lot of people fail to identify that for their whole career because really the better you get at solving other people's problems, the more money you're going to make. I mean, it's really that simple. If you break it down that way, it's like I'm solving other people's problems and we're both making money or, you know, you're making money, you're solving somebody's problem essentially. Um, I just think it's an astute observation because you've only been doing this full time for like just over a year. So, I mean, that's your mindset's in the right spot. 
Um, you mentioned your mentor. I see a big two on your hat, so I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about what Pace Morby offers. I mean, let's just talk about him. Obviously, it seems like he's been your most constructive mentor. So why don't we just go into his program a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've, I've done multiple programs, um, spent quite a bit of money on, on, on programs and um, everything from wholesaling courses, flipping courses, um, real estate in general, um, e- even a couple of mindset courses. Um, and um, out of his course, I think, you know, one of the reasons why it's so successful and people know about it now in just a short period of time, it's only been around for two years, uh, May, end of April, May, beginning of May, 2020. That's when I had joined. I didn't even know what I was really joining, to be honest with you. He's just, he's got mm-hmm. a, a bit of spe- like a, a, like a entertainment side to him. And, and he's mm-hmm. really good at talking to people. I think that's what, what kind of pulled me in very charismatic. Um, and I think the biggest thing to me, that's so it's, it's, it's just, it's so fundamental. What he does is he, he is the, the perfect example of the, term lead by example right and you know out of all the courses i've been in i'm not saying any of them are bad it's just they're all run differently everyone's got kind of a different style and out of all of them it seems like pace by far is the perfect example of like leadership and doing exactly what he's telling you to do um because the man works like no other. Um, and he, he just puts in a ton of work. Um, now there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but the man just knows how to work. Um, and he's not out there swinging a hammer anymore, right? At some point in his career, he was, Mm -hmm. but he's, he's also learned how to leverage other people and other people's time to get them what they want. And in turn gets him what he wants. Um, so he, he's really just the ideal, like, uh, example of showing people how to do things and not just telling them, but you actually see him doing these things. So, you know, it covers anything and everything in this mentorship. It's a lifetime mentorship, which is cool um, because everyone's structured. There's maybe you got a year in the mentorship and then you got to start paying whatever. Um, you know, he, he I like the structure of it the community is, is really what it is. Um, cause it's really not even like a mentorship if I'm being honest. Um, it, it is, it is the coolest thing when I see, you know, there's a lot of people that I have never met in, in the group and I will literally, like I'll be friends with them on Facebook, very surface level, right? Very shallow. It's not really, not really meaningful if you ask me, but it's, it's really cool to see, all these people that have never met each other, they'll literally like go hang out with each other. Like if they're a state over, like they'll, they'll, they'll call each other up and go hang out. Like there are sub two students that I would have never have met in Cincinnati that like we actually hang out. Um, and it's not just, Hey, go check out a property with me. It's like literally like, let's go grab it. Let's go grab food or let's go grab a drink, whatever it is. Like it's actually like socializing and, and getting to know these people. Um, which is, is such a, a very neat experience and, and very cool to see like what, what has been built. And in turn, you know, it has solved so many problems for me 
you know, it's allowed access to more deals for me, more connections, you know, private money experience that I don't have. Uh, there's so much because people are involved. Every mentorship you're going to have, there are people that are going to fall off, not be involved, all that. It's just a part of it. Um, but there are a big number of people, big percentage that like are consistently working every single day and they're working together. You know, his big thing is collaboration, not competition. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, it, it really, when I first got into wholesaling, it was a very standalone business to me. Like you're on an island and you're just hoping to make it right. You're, you're fumbling your way through it. If you get to ask somebody more experienced a question, like, you know, it's, it's a big win. Um, and it doesn't happen every day. Um, whereas this group, people are, are actively seeking out other people to work with, um, splitting costs on marketing, doing deals together, um, doing mindset zoom calls every morning, role playing. Like, I mean, there's just so many, um, things that you do in the daily business, but you don't always maybe do it with somebody else in the business. That's maybe in the same, you know, same timeline as you or same point of, of, of the, the path as you where like similar experience and they're, they're trying to fumble through it because I think in the wholesaling business, especially newbies, you know, they get scared of, Hey, what do I do here? Is this price right? Is this valuation right? How do you handle this type of seller? Um, and being in the mentorship, a lot of that is covered and people are, he's created a lot of leaders inside the group, Mm. uh, that have really good businesses and a lot of life experience. So, you know, it checks a lot of, checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Uh, for me. I had the privilege of hearing him speak in Boise three ish weeks ago or so. And, you know, can echo the sentiment. And, and I've got to watch a lot of his videos because we're in the investing space. You know, we're always studying the game and studying everybody out there that's putting out content. And he does a whole heck of a lot of it and a really, really good job. It's, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that surprised me the most about him was the fact that one, he built an amazing construction company that the, like when you look at the different things he's done, all of them are so wildly impressive to build the construction company logistically on scale and to form the right relationships to be able to have that scale, you know, then to see what he's doing in the creative side. Obviously he's a contrarian in the sense that he's not going to follow conventional wisdom when it's not the best path. And oftentimes what you see with contrarians is they're not typically that good with people because it's their anti-ness that makes them find the great strategies, but he's great with people. He's great with sales. He's good with marketing. Like, I mean, construction, like the level of personality flexibility, like it's, it's wild to me, the kind of person that he is like all that he can do all that he can be. And I don't know how much of that was inherent to him. I'm guessing like most people, you know, he's had to, to mold himself in so many different ways to do what he's doing, but it's, it's impressive. I think one of the most impressive thing he's accomplished is I see these two hats everywhere. Yeah. Right. So not only um, has he created a successful course and he's teaching clients, but like he's creating a community. Mm-hmm. You could tell people are proud to wear that hat. And um, obviously he's got some good things going on yeah. um, and you're having success with it. Yeah. So like, let's, 
kind of jump into that now. So obviously creative financing is something you're doing. Like, let's talk about the strategies you're currently utilizing to build your business. Yeah. So, you know, and again, thanks to thanks all to, to Pace for teaching these. Like, you know, I knew creative financing was a thing. Didn't understand what it was when I originally wholesaled. And uh, I knew it was important, but I just didn't didn't have I was just trying to focus on cash. And I once I got into the, the, the group, I, I quickly realized that the creative financing is super, super important, especially with potentially the way the market is headed. Um, you know, creative financing, it, it, depending on who you talk to, it could be a fairly loose term. You know, technically, creative financing mm-hmm. could be classified as just using somebody else's money to buy a property. Um, and the, the creative financing that I kind of focus on is uh, mainly buying subject to buying seller finance and then selling selling properties on creative financing so with with financing in place is is the gist of it um mm-hmm. and you know there's only two differences between sub two and uh seller finance seller finance you've got the owner who owns it free and clear and then subject two is there's a mortgage there's a debt there's a debt in place and, you know, the crazy thing is like anything that has a debt, you can, you can buy subject to, you're just, the technical term is you're buying subject to the existing debt, mm-hmm. right? So if you've got mm-hmm. solar panels, a, a washer and dryer, an AC unit, a furnace, you can buy all that subject to, um, you know, assuming that there's a debt on the property. And it's an attractive thing for a lot of investors to have financing in place. Because if you ever go buy a property, you know, it costs money, right? Banks are getting paid. Those mm-hmm. loan originators are getting paid their money. And that money is coming from the buyer typically. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a process. Everybody saw in 2008, that process failed us because they were giving loans to people that were not qualified. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've ideally learned from that. And it's not easy. It's not the easiest thing to go get a loan. Um, especially depending on the market you're in. So creative financing really helps with that. You know, you don't have to qualify. You don't have to have a certain job for a certain period of time. I'm not bankable. Like I've got money and I'm just not bankable. So, you know, they, they will not give me a loan. You know, you got to have certain requirements mm-hmm. and all of that, all of that red tape and everything you have to go through, through a traditional bank, you don't have to do with creative financing. It's so uh, wonderful. And to your mm-hmm. point, you could do seller financing and subject to on the same property. You know, yep. you subject to the existing and you seller finance over the top. Like, you know, like when I first listened to you say this, it's like maybe I'm thinking maybe some of my listeners are like, well, maybe these people shouldn't buy houses if they can't qualify with a bank. But, you know, our system is so interesting because like I had paid off, like I had bought a house really cheap in 2009 and we lived super frugally in a really small house. And we made every effort when I was in sales, we paid it off. So I'm making six figures a year. I have a paid off house. I go to buy an investment property thinking this this is like the biggest slam dunk for the banks ever. Like I got it. I have to be their prototype. I've never missed a payment, et cetera. I go there. They won't give me a loan. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what what do you mean? And they're like, well, you don't have any credit. And it's like, there's so many people out there that would be way better buyers from a financial perspective than the people that end up buying the houses, you know, but, but they don't. So 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think creative, not only does it give, it just gives so many more people that should be able to buy an opportunity. I 100% agree. And, you know, I, I was not in real estate at this time, but I've heard that, you know, when the interest rates were at 13, 14, 15, 16%, you know, land contracts and, and the creative financing strategies were being utilized, right? Only and, way to sell, really. Build. Yeah. Yeah. Builders will be using creative financing structures when, when they're, when they're building homes and they, you know, if interest rates go too high and they can't sell these things, like they're going to be probably using creative financing on, on some of these deals. Um, and it's a very well, it's, it's a very widely used strategy. It's just not as common. And when you think about it, it's crazy. It's not common, but it's not common because the, the people with the most money don't want you knowing about it. Banks want you to come to them and they want you to, to use their service because their job is to sell money. Yeah. And, you know, if you can cut them out, in my opinion, it's going to make things a lot easier yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I recommend to everybody 100% get, get to know creative financing or leverage somebody else that has the knowledge already and, and get around it. You know, mm -hmm. that is the quickest right. way to learn something is being in it, doing it around it. And, you know, just get around somebody if you don't know it and see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It can take your business to other places that you just didn't would have had access to. If it's something you don't have in your tool belt, you need to add it. Like if you're a real estate investor, that needs to be in your tool belt. It needs to be an option. Yeah. This doesn't just um, work for small properties. I mean, like in some cases, like, I mean, I just bought a property for almost $800,000 on creative financing. And yeah you know, because there was an opportunity. And I think one of the things that I think is so good about it is it like you talk about the problem solving is really the main thing that we do. Like if you can re-envision a property, whether it's through renovating it, it's through finding unique ways to increase its income capacity, you can take something off of somebody's hands, give them market value or more and be having something that's providing thousands of dollars a month or more in cash flow. And I, I mean, ev like it's not a zero sum game. It's not like, you left yeah. the sellers holding the bag, so to speak. Like there are real solutions that this is literally the best thing for the seller they could have ever possibly imagined. And you're walking mm -hmm. into, it's not free, but we'll call it just with some mental gymnastics on the property. You're walking into thousands of dollars a month of cash flow. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the last three deals that we've done, um, you know, they've, they've all, I think, I think we're in total like upfront costs were like maybe five grand. That's including yeah. closing costs, down payments, all that fun stuff. And, you know, once we got them performing, they, they're, they're all cash flowing like six to $800 each after all expenses. Um, mm -hmm. And it's Beautiful. like, I know a lot of people that, you know, if they just knew the knowledge, they have five grand. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do a deal. It's like, this can be done. Yeah. You know, it's nuts. And you know, for example, the, the most recent deal that, that we just got signed up that we're going to sell, we're actually wholesaling this subject to deal condo deal up here in Cincy. And it's, it's actually not cash flowing at all. It won't cash flow. They're actually going to lose like 50 bucks a month, probably every month, but they're buying it because the financing is so attractive to them. And they're at a different point in their career than maybe certain other investors but they're playing the long game on this particular deal and they're getting a hundred percent pay down. Like they have a 0% interest loan on this thing. 
Um, so it's like for them, it just, it makes a lot of sense. So we're able to wholesale that. And it's like, if you would have told me that two and a half years ago, I would have said, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. Who would buy a property mm-hmm. with zero mm-hmm. cash flow at full price? They're actually going to be end up overpaying because they're going to put some money into it. Um, and they're going to overpay as investors and still pay me uh, an assignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and when you look at it too, it's like, okay, so you're, you're losing 50 bucks a month and I'm not sure if you're, if your calculations include that includes CapEx and repairs and stuff, but so maybe it could even be a little bit more, but you have a hundred percent principal pay down. So let's say the principal payment on that is 600 or $800 a month or whatever. Yep. You're paying 50 to get 600. Like, and if yeah. you take some of the craziness out that I think kind of gets people bottled up, I mean, essentially like how many people, if you said, Hey, hand me 50 bucks a month and I'll turn around and hand you 600 right? For the next 30 years, how many people would mm-hmm. sign up for that gig, you know? Um, yeah. But because you kind of shrouded in like, well, this is property and it's all this and it's paperwork and whatever. And they're like, oh gosh, that's a terrible deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, 30 years from now, you're talking about like, what's okay. So six, 500 times, you know, 12, 6,000 a year times 30 years. Was it like 360 grand? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I always ask myself mm-hmm. when people like buy deals that I consider to be bad deals and they're smiling, I'm like, what do I not know? What am I not considering? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Racing. I mean, it goes back to my point, like this whole game, you know, I call it a game, but it, this whole thing is about perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, their perspective, you know, it, it's, it, this is a subjective business, but it's very, it's a lot of it's based on perspective and for them, it's a great deal, right? For me, yeah. I wouldn't touch the deal because I'm not, I'm not at that point where it's like, I want all the cash mm-hmm. flow I can get for them. They're like, ah, over 30 years, we'll be good. Yeah. Um, you know, I need money. I want money more immediate than them. Um, so yeah, you know, it just goes back to the perspective thing and, and leveraging what you know. Right. And it's like, I know there are people out there that buy assets that are not cash flowing. They're buying it for mm-hmm. different reasons because their perspective is like they want certain things, whether it's tax benefits or whatever it is. Um, so it, it's a it's a very very fun business to get into, and you just never stop learning. That's for sure. One hundred and ten percent. You literally never can stop learning because there's so many different ways to do it, and and there's so many different ways to structure it. There's so many different ways, and you could just make up your own ways too. I mean, there's literally no written rule for it. I mean, except for you know laws and stuff. Right. Make sure you just, have an attorney involved. Things, yeah. if, um, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's just like the the, the possibilities are nearly limitless. Um, I. Appreciate you sharing all that. Yeah. I'm, I wanted to get into this because on our discovery call, you, you came across as somebody who's super, super high integrity. Um, you mentioned your core values, I think, three or four times um, when we were talking. So, I mean, I would like to get into that. Um, were you always somebody that had such a high integrity in, in core values? Is that something you developed over time or just how did that journey look like? I would say that most of that was developed by getting around people that were where I wanted to be or were doing what I wanted to do. Um, it wasn't necessarily something I had always thought of, right? You're always, you know, based on, for me, a lot of the stuff, the foundation was ultimately how I was brought up and um, where just kind of how my family was and raised me, right? Um, in terms of a business aspect, like there's always the right and the wrong. Um, 
and, and you ideally always wanted to do the right, but it's, you know, I think the real question is like when you're really tempted and nobody's looking, nobody's got any idea, like, what are you doing then? Are you doing the right or the wrong? Um, Cause that's, that's where people show their colors and, and who they really are. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen it work both ways and it was, there was, it was for whatever reason, I remember this, this, this job. I was in high school, summer, summer, and I, I was a landscaper. And this, the, mm-hmm. the owner, small, 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 small crew, the owner put me in charge of mulching this huge property. And I was by myself. You know, she wasn't there. I was the only person. She dropped me off, did this whole thing. Well, this contractor was next door working. And we were both working on our projects all day. And it was hot. And I finished the job, you know, it was probably, I think it was maybe around five thirty, six o'clock um, in the evening. He comes over and he's like, son, that was a really good job of completing what you did, especially since nobody was here. And he ended up giving me a $50 bill. He's like, just for you didn't quit and, and you just kept doing it and you knew you had to do it, but nobody was here actually like, telling you to work like you could have made some excuse um and it was just like it's like well yeah it's like, i got a job i told the person like I, i'd work for him so like I'm, I'm here doing the job um and mm-hmm. that just made you know it just made sense to me but like for him you know he's seen things he's seen people quit on jobs he's seen people not honor their word like he he had a lot more life experiences than than i had i was in high school i didn't really have any um just thought that was normal like you tell someone you're gonna do something you do it and um you know, going through this, and especially since I've gotten around more people that are in the real estate business, the more entrepreneurial, um, you know, there's a lot of mindset that comes with it. And those values have definitely been shaped, you know, over time, but they've definitely been added to um, in, in the last few years, for sure. Mm. Um, you know, just thinking, you know, team wise, not not me, like I need everything for me you know, helping other people um, is so, so important. And and you can sit here and say it to your blue in the face, but um, once you fully understand it, you know, it's like there's doors that just open that you don't, you can't explain it, but they just start opening. Um, So, and yeah, I mean, you know, they're super, super important and and everyone's got a little bit different spin on it, of course. Um, and I encourage everybody to sit down and kind of think about what makes sense for them. Um, because you know, what I'm trying to accomplish and what maybe somebody else is trying to accomplish could be totally two different things. So, yeah. And I love how you pointed out, cause I actually had to correct somebody the other day and I don't really like correcting people that much, but he came out and basically said that, you know, wealthy people are greedy and so on and so forth. And I'm like, you know, with all due respect, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Because what you're pointing out is, is you actually gained a, a greater sense of integrity and core values from the people that you wanted to emulate from those successful people. We see experiences all the time, all the time, where the vast majority of the people that are, that are aiming for success and moving quickly there or are already there, so to speak, they te- seem to have higher barometers of integrity higher barometers of generosity, higher barometers of all those things than people that are, you know, uh, grinding it out day to day, so to speak. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Like, I think 
it's just, it's a really good lesson that, you know, typically to become successful, you usually have to do things that benefit not just yourself, but benefit others. A couple of our earlier interviews, um, they're actually local to me. They use the term excessive value. Like they like to provide excessive value. And if you think about the word excessive, it's like too much. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to provide way more value than you're even expecting excessive value. And like that has been clicking in my mind for the past, ever since we interviewed them. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to provide so much value that they're like, oh my God, like you're doing too much. Yeah. Back off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you're helping me too much. There must be a catch. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and I feel like if you have a, a very similar mindset and I just, I, I love where you're going because your journey is relatively new mm-hmm. um, and you certainly have your mind in the right spot. Yeah. And I, I would just like to quickly interject real quick. I, I saw this on social media. I don't remember what it was, but you know, to Matt's point there, um, you know, somebody was asking somebody, it was, uh, he was a billionaire and he's like, what is the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire? And he's like, a millionaire knows how to make money. A billionaire knows how to make other people money. Ooh, and it was mm-hmm. like hearing that it was just like, that was the first time I had heard it. And I was like, you don't have to go to that scale, but just the concept will take you so much further um, mm-hmm. and, and do so many more things for you. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there because it was just like, wow, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And and on that topic, I just heard, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Cody Sanchez. She puts out a lot of content and she's a more of like a business buyer than a um, real estate person. And uh, I heard her say that essentially there's more millionaires made in real estate than, than anywhere else, like by a landslide. But there's not that many billionaires made in real estate. Like the billionaires are typically made mm-hmm. in business. The millionaires are made in real estate and a lot of billionaires obviously interplay with real estate all the time, um, either before or after they get their wealth. But maybe it's along the lines of what you're saying, which is essentially the, the ability to scale to a billion dollars is so much more challenging, but the businesses can do that because of the way that they help so many other people. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's a really cool point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really has everything to do with outreach, right? Whatever mm-hmm. business you buy, they're probably selling a product that helps somebody, helps solve a need. And more businesses you buy, obviously, the ideally, the more outreach. Whereas when you're just doing real estate, you're just buying homes. You're, you know, you're, you're helping people mm-hmm. as renters, but, you know, it, it's like how many can you actually buy and, and, and you know, ac- accelerate that? Um, obviously, it can be done, but... Yeah, you know, there are definitely ways to do it in any industry, but um, it definitely, to your point, definitely, I totally agree with the business part of it because you're just ultimately helping more people. You're providing mm-hmm. a service to people that need it and you're casting a wider net. What do you see yourself up to next 12 to 18 months? So next 12 to 18 months, right now we're very, very much in the phase of acquisition and getting this, this whole wholesaling machine, you know, fine-tuned. Um, you know, we currently, what it looks like right now is we just recently brought on, um, an acquisition manager and and an integrator. Um, and we've got two VAs, um, a dispo person as well. And then myself, um, and, you know, goes back to the whole concept of leveraging, but I finally, I think getting a more grasp of like using other people's time and knowledge to then have everybody eat at the table, not, not just me. And, um, so the goal is to, to get that to six figures 
um, a month. Um, you know, I mean, for the rest of the year, we're, we're looking at doing another $200,000 in, in assignment fees, um, is, is, is the goal for at least the next six months. Um, you know, I want to grow the rental portfolio. I want to branch into short-term rentals. I only have long-term traditional rentals at the moment. Um, but yeah, very much to, you know, the main focus is, is going to be the wholesaling. The portfolio will come just as a result of having a very successful wholesaling business. Um, but yeah, the goal is to get that to six figures a month. Cool. Awesome, man. That's so awesome, Patrick. So obviously you're expanding um, and you are a go-giver, right? You, you like to help people. So if our audience um, wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, the best, the, probably the best way to do it. Um, I, I wouldn't go the Facebook route because sometimes I, I just don't see the messages on there. Instagram, I'm, I'm constantly on that. Um, if you direct message me on Instagram, um, it's just Patrick underscore Fitzgerald um, three zero numbers three zero um, definitely reach out I, I'll be more than happy to tell you what I know um, I, I know people all over the country so I can connect you if you're looking for some type of resource help inside the country um, if it's not my market um, so I, I can definitely get you in contact you know this game is a relationship business if you're trying to get into real estate so if you just it's not about what you know. It's not about who you know. It's about who knows you um, is how I look mm. at it. And, you know, it, more people that know you, the more chances you're going to have of, of getting things done. So, um, yeah, definitely more than happy to happy to help. What a tremendous answer. I've heard that saying said so many ways before, um, but that way has been my favorite. I've never heard it that way. Um, so I love that. Um what a fantastic way to end the show. Patrick Fitzgerald, man. We want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business and to everyone else out there chasing freedom. Freedom has acquired one action at a time. And if you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and make sure to implement it in the next seven days. And please share with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. 